If you'll follow along in the scripture today from the book of Acts, and we are in chapter 2, and we're going to stay here for a while. One of the reasons we're going to stay here for a while is because the Lord said so, that's why. Every church is called upon the Lord to follow his purpose for the church. And as your new pastor, I'm delighted to say to you that it's my responsibility to lead and guide the church in discovering God's preferred future. God's preferred future. You know, Baptists get together and vote on the will of God, don't we? Can you imagine that? But God's future and what God desires of his people and his church may not necessarily be what we have as Baptists voted and agreed to do. And I have lived through that all of my ministry. Every time I had a preacher, pastor plan for the church, God had something else in mind. So having been led, as the Baptist covenant begins, having been led by the Holy Spirit, this is how we are going forward. And going forward means that we are fulfilling these five purposes of the church. Last Sunday we talked about worship, and worship has an outcome, and that outcome is called ministry. Ministry. So if you will look as I read from Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 43 and read through verse 47, we will be looking for that thread that runs through this passage of Scripture when the early church was gathering together and functioning as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 43 says, Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed, to the, pro distributed the proceeds rather to all as any had need, 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 need. That's where the ministry concept comes from. Every day they continued to devoting themselves, meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day, the Lord added to the number those who were being saved. And so we discover in this passage of Scripture that when you receive Christ as your Savior and your Lord, you become what is called a member of the body of Christ, the church, the ecclesia, the ones who are called out and assembling together for worship, just like you came and assembled this morning in the parking lot. You assembled here to call upon the name of Jesus and to worship the Lord Jesus as your Savior and your Lord. Now, when we talk about ministry, we're talking about worship continuing out from this experience that we're having today. The term for worship in the Bible is really the term service or ministry. You can use either term. And so... 
some churches call this experience we're having this morning the worship service. The worship service. And so service doesn't end here. Our service to the Lord continues from here because we have been here. We have been together as God's people, born-again believers, and we have assembled to worship our Savior and our Lord Jesus, who is the head of the body, the head of the church, the Lord of His kingdom. And now we go back out to do ministry. To do ministry. So there were three points in my sermon. If you'll put the three on the board, please. Well, there's the first one right there. Yeah, go ahead and put all three. In this passage, we see uh, three things going on here. And uh, as I began to preach this, I thought, well, I'll just end this in five Sundays, five sermons, five purposes of the church. It's just going to be that simple. That was my plan, Scott. And then the Lord began to speak to me powerfully this week as I was preparing that message, and particularly yesterday. And so we'll just go two Sundays. That's as far as I can see right now. Uh, talking about ministry. Ministry. So the first point of my message that I want to emphasize today is the motivation for our ministry. Why do we do what we do? Why is a good question. Why do we do what we do? Well, we minister, we serve other people because that's what the Holy Spirit leads us to do. That's what God wants us to do. Jesus said it this way. What is the greatest commandment? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said, the second is like to the first. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And we see in this passage where the church gathered together and they continued to fellowship with each other and learn uh, what we have now is our New Testament Bible. When it says the apostles' teaching, that's our New Testament Bible that we have today. And they ministered to each other, taking care of each other's needs. And there was a shortfall in ministering to each other uh, in Acts chapter 6 that led to the selection of the first deacons in the church. And so the ministry continues, and we want to talk about why do we do what we do. So ministry is an outgrowth of God dwelling in each of us. The Holy Spirit of God, when we receive Christ as Savior and Lord, we receive Him through the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit dwells in every believer through the grace of God. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Paul wrote to the church called Corinth, and he said, Don't you know yourselves? that you are God's dwelling, God's temple. And when he says we are God's temple, that means God dwells in us. That God's spirit, he says, dwells in you. In Ephesians, Paul says, and he cautions the people in the, the church, the congregation, because just like you and me, they were just people. Uh, they had their challenges. They had their shortcomings as well. They had their strengths. They had their struggles. And he said, don't be drunk with wine, 
Don't be controlled by wine, because that will ruin your life. Paul said instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, what does that mean? Paul, what do you mean? I thought I, was, I, I, I had received Christ into my life through God's Holy Spirit who dwells in me. What does it mean to be controlled or filled with God's Holy Spirit? What's it like? Well, the Bible answers that question. Number one, the Holy Spirit motivates us to minister humbly in the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit dwells in us so that we will, and fills us and controls us so that we will be ministers in the body of Christ in a humble kind of way. The Bible is very clear in the book of James about humility and pride. It said, God resists the proud but gives grace to those who are humble. Well, who, who's humble? What's, what's that like? Is that like a, a weakling? Is that somebody others can just mealy mouth run over? No. Humble people do not take themselves too seriously. Humble persons do not take themselves too seriously. Ministry, humble people who are ministering understand that it's not about me, it's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. And the fellowship that we have together in the church is all about exalting Jesus Christ. The ministries that we have in our church is all about exalting Jesus Christ. Remember, you need four friends in order to minister well and allow Jesus to control your life through the Holy Spirit. Remember who those four friends were? You need a cheerleader. You need somebody in your life that says, you can do this. You need somebody in your life that can say, way to go. You need somebody in your life that says, congratulations, uh, way to go. I knew you could do it. That's a cheerleader. Uh, you also need a prophet. You need somebody to tell you the truth. That's what the prophets did in the Old Testament. They told the truth, and they were killed for it. Jesus said, you destroyed the prophets that God sent in the Old Testament. You need somebody in your life that would just speak truth from God to you. Somebody that will speak truth to you and speak truth into your life. You also need a harasser. I always had a harasser in my churches. And I had one in, in Louisville. Just somebody that kept me honest all the time. Somebody keep me honest all the time. And, and you also need a friend in the, in the fellowship of the Lord as you do ministry that will help point the way in the future. We call that a guide. So the Holy Spirit is really doing all those four things as he motivates us to serve, to be ministers in the body of Christ and carry out the uh, five functions of the church. And one of those is missions and evangelism. You can't do it on your own strength. You can't do ministry on power. In fact, when you do it on your own strength and power, you burn out. You burn down. That's kind of a new phrase or a new way of talking about burnout. You've heard about burnout. We burn down when we're depending upon ourselves and what I can do and accomplish instead of what God can do through me. I face that every Sunday morning. I face that every Sunday morning. I work on this sermon. I work on this sermon. I work on this sermon. And then 
Um, when I go home, I think, when I leave it this out, I leave that out, I have to turn all this over to the Lord. I have to say, Lord, uh, we've done together the best I can do. The rest is up to you. So this Holy Spirit in filling motivates us to minister humbly. Humbly. Another sign of the Holy Spirit's filling is that pride is put away. Pride is put away. Now the Bible says that uh, Paul, talking about pride and talking about what put away means, there's an interesting word for that in the Bible, and Lynn and I in our study this week were researching that term, and Paul uses it in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He said, when I was a child, I acted like a child, I spoke like a child, I even thought like a child. But when I grew up and I became a mature Christian, a man, I put away childish things. That putting it away is what the Holy Spirit helps us do with pride in our life. Now I know in Sunday school this morning, we talked about pride and how it hinders us from a relationship with God. Pride is the mask that you're wearing that you show to other people that's not the real you. Pride is wanting attention. Pride is wanting to be the focus of ministry in the church. Instead, humility wants us to look outward. Did you know that people react from their feeling brain more than their thinking brain? You got a, you got a feeling brain right here that God gave you when you were first born. And uh, feeling, the feeling part is how we become more reactive uh, in our relationships with other people. But then there's a thinking part of the brain up in here. And uh, the Bible talks about letting the thinking, rational part of your mind overcome the quick reaction um, part of your mind. For example, when I drive back to Louisville, I'm watching for deer, and when one comes in the road, I go, <gasps> you know, I don't want that deer hit my car. It's already falling apart. I don't want to lose it, you know what I mean? I don't want to lose it. And so my reactionary brain, my feeling brain kicks in before I can even think. That deer may hit my car, and, and if it hits my car, then i got to buy another car, and, and my insurance company not going to give me any money for it. You know, all that rational thinking stuff. No, I just put on the brakes. Well, that fight or flight feeling that you struggle with in your life is your feeling brain. In fact, that's why you buy a car to start with. Many people do. Old Zig Ziglar, who sold who knows what, um, uh, and a motivational speaker, said, people purchase out of emotion more than any other motive. More than any other motive. Now, one of the fun things that Lynn and I like to do is that we like to go to shop together. And that's not a plug for this business, but it's called Costco. Because it's just kind of right down the road from my, ha my house. And when I go in there, my feeling brain is just dumping all kinds of uh, dopamine onto my brain. And, and I just, man, I could just buy everything in the, in the store. I want this, I want that. I mean, that, that Haagen-Dazs chocolate is, little bars got the chocolate on the outside and vanilla on the inside. By the way, the chicken pot pies are back now, you know, thank God for that. And I, I want that chicken pot pie, and I, I want them Haagen-Dazs uh, chocolate-covered ice cream. And um, 
I'm, you know, I want some more Gatorade, and I want some more of this, and I want this. And then we walk out of there with all this stuff in our shopping cart. Not because we've thought through it, but because I feel like it. Fortunately, my wife was with me, and she's the thinking part of our relationship. And we didn't walk out with all that. Uh, well, we did walk out with a new melon, but anyway, we tried it out, and it's good. I share that with you because so many times in ministry and in activities, we find ourselves being controlled by our feelings instead of our thinking. And the Bible says, let every thought be captive to Christ. Now, how do those go together in talking about worship and ministry? Because we have been with the Lord, our feelings have been disturbed, ministered to. It's not a bad thing to feel. And because we've been with the Lord, we have learned to think and to trust that God really does love us. That he really is good all the time. I'm not good all the time, but God is good all the time. And instead of relating out of my feeling part of the brain that causes me to buy what I don't need at Costco, I can respond to ministry needs. I can respond to circumstances out of my goals, the life and purpose and direction of our life by biblical principles, and we can continue as one body in Christ to serve those who don't know Jesus, to serve in the body of Christ and to each other. In fact, that's why you have pastors. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, He gave some to be apostles. Some he gave as prophets some to be evangelists and some as pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. That's why I'm here. That's my calling. That's my role as the pastor of the church is to train all of us to minister together within the body of Christ and outside the body of Christ. Ministry takes place out there. Training takes place in here. Ministry takes place out there. Training takes place in here. Because the Apostle Paul said to equip all of us, the saints, for the work of ministry. And here's what happens when we are trained to minister well to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, a growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. What is God trying to accomplish in the church by us being ministers? He's trying to make us like Jesus. We are the body of Christ called the church, and He is the head of the church, I'm not the head of the church. This is not Brother Tom's church. This is Jesus' church. 
And he is calling us to follow him. He is calling us to be his disciples. He is calling us to grow up into him. And I've come to learn if I just trust my feeling brain and leave out my thinking brain, then I'm going to stay stuck. I'm not going to be able to put away things that need to be put away. And that leads me to the third sign that the Holy Spirit is dwelling in believers. To be filled with the Holy Spirit, as Paul said in Ephesians, is to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. We call that Holy Spirit infilling, Holy Spirit indwelling, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Now speaking of things to put away, and you read about it a little bit in Sunday school today, Holy Spirit infilling will put away put-downs. Holy Spirit dwelling will put away put-downs. There's no room in your relationships with your family, your spouse, your friends, your work cohorts to put people down. Number two, a sign of putting away is to put away criticism. To put away criticism. Kartageo is the Greek word. You didn't think I knew any Greek, did you, Wrote. Past the search committee, chairman never asked me, do you know Greek? If I did, I had a pat answer. I had a pat answer. I knew, I knew a little Greek one time. He had a pizza restaurant right down the road. <laughs> Criticism. Cartagio. Put it away. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we can put away our criticism of other people. We also can put away, now stay with me now, hang on, this is going to get real good. We can put away our complaining. Our complaining. <laughs> you heard about the family that were going home one Sunday, and mom and dad in the front row, and son and daughter in the back row, and they had some comments about the sermon, and they had some comments about the music, and they had some comments about what so-and-so was wearing, and they had some comments about um, whatever was happening in the church. And uh, one of the little children in the back said, well, I thought it was a pretty good show since we all got in for a quarter. <laughs> Hear me now very clearly. When we have the habit of putting down people, when we have the habit of criticizing people, when we have the habit of complaining about people, when we have the habit of comparing ourselves to others, that needs to be put away. When we have the habit of gossip about others, Holy Spirit infilling will put it away. When we are on that track, we're on the wrong track, and we are motivated by our shame. Just let that sit for a minute. Guilt and shame are different. When 
somebody tells me I did something wrong, I say I'm sorry. I feel guilty about it. I apologize. When I'm ashamed, I think I'm awful. I'm a terrible person. I'm ashamed of myself. I'm hiding behind a mask. And that's why I put down other people. That's why I criticize other people. That's why I complain all the time. That's why I compare myself to other people. And that's why I gossip about other people. Because I'm not feeling guilty about something. I'm just ashamed of the person behind the mask. Some of you have been reading Paul Tripp, his devotional writings. I really like this guy. He says no one is more influential in your life than you are because no one talks to you more than you do. Folks, we all need the grace of God, don't we? That's why Paul said, I'm the chiefest of sinners. Because he understood by the grace of God that he was able to get through what he was going through. He was able to minister and accomplish what Jesus assigned him to do because he had the grace of God living in his life. And that is, the really, that is really the theme of what I'm hoping to uh, share with you today as God has laid it on my heart. Here it is. Here's what this message is really all about. Every minister, you are a minister, needs the grace of God to do the work of God. Every minister needs the grace of God to do the work of God. Am I a minister, you ask? If you are a believer, you belong to the body of Christ where every member is a minister by the grace of God. Listen to the Apostle Paul who talks about grace in the New Testament all the time. He said there's different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit, Holy Spirit, is the source of all of them. There are different kinds of ministries, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, he says, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. All of you together, he says in 1 Corinthians 12, are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Each of you is a part of it. Yeah, there he goes, there he goes. Bye-bye. You know, just when you think you've nailed a sermon, here comes an airplane right over your church. Yeah, okay, the Lord said, give him a break, preacher, give him a break. You're getting too serious up there. If you are a believer, you belong. Now, here's the part where I normally say I've come to learn. I have come to learn, listen carefully, hang in there with me. I've come to learn that loving Jesus, that's what we do when we worship him. Loving Jesus motivates me to minister somehow, some way, somewhere through God's grace that only comes from my relationship 
with His Holy Spirit. Paul said it this way, I am who I am by the grace of God. Ekron Baptist Church, we have to be before we can do. I am who I am by the grace of God. We have to be before we can do ministry. And we can only do through the grace of God. That's what I've come to learn. I listen a little bit more carefully. Turn up the, turn up the listening ear. Because with the shepherd's heart, your shepherd, your under-shepherd, not the good shepherd, but the under-shepherd. With the shepherd's heart, I want to gently nudge those of you who used to. Used to. And are tempted to no longer do. I go through that. I can tell you a hundred stories about how I tried to quit and God says, you ain't going to quit. Thank you. I called you. <laughs> See, you, you need a harasser in your life, right? There he goes. <clears throat> this is amazing. I invite you to consider Jesus. Jesus. Who for the joy that was set before him endured that cross and with the shepherd's heart, I invite all of us to restore a sustainable rhythm to life. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. You see, the ministry he wants us to do and wants you to do is like being yoked with Jesus. You know what a double, double yoke is? An oxen, double yoke, oxen yoke? Jesus said, you, you get in this trace in the, in the yoke and I'll be in this trace over here and he said this is my yoke take my yoke upon you I got you and learn from me for my yoke is easy and my burden is light if, if ministry and being yoked with Jesus is easy then why are we burning down and why are we burning out and why are we not serving anymore Because our worship is missing. Because we're yoked to our pride instead of Jesus. We are yoked to things that we need to cartagio, set aside, instead of Jesus. Because when we are yoked with Jesus, we're serving together. We're plowing together in the fields that are white unto harvest. This is called grace, church. This is the power of the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit and the, and the Jesus Christ who wants to walk with us on this journey. It's called grace. Yeah, thank you. I think what he's saying is y'all need to listen. So every minister, that's you and that's me, needs the refreshing grace of God to do the work of God and worship is to be a refreshing experience. So how do we do that? How do we continue worship and it be refreshing? Well, number one, renew your worship experiences during the week. Don't wait till Sunday. Keep it going during the week. And maintain a childlike sense of awe and wonder. 
One of the reasons I love being here in Ekron is that when you are looking that way and the sun is setting, it's one of the most beautiful sunsets I've ever seen. And I said to Miss Linda the other day, I says, look at that sunset. Let's just let it, let's just let it, let's just let it, let's just let it be. Oh, that our worship would be that way. This is Jesus, the author, the perfecter of our faith. Let's just let him be Jesus. Let's just let him be Lord. Let's let him be the Lord of our ministry, what we do. Let's be into Jesus so we can do the work of Jesus. I think that's what he means when he said to the disciples, greater works than mine you'll be able to do. So renew your worship experiences during the week. I know. You don't have time. I hear that all the time. But you have time for Facebook. You have time for TV. You have time for this, that, and the other. Number two, recall God's acts of grace each day. Every day you need to be thankful to God. I need to be thankful to God. And ask yourself every day, every day, what brought life into my soul today? What happened today that took life away from me? Is there hidden sin in my life? And thirdly, renew, recall, rededicate. Rededicate yourself. You can just go away, brother. We don't care. You can rededicate yourself and your ministry assignment to Jesus. And you remember in the Bible how Jesus did that? You remember after the resurrection, Peter and the apostles, some of them went back fishing. Well, Jesus has said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And they're so defeated, burnt out, tired, disappointed and hurting and embarrassed. And hey, I've been there. Haven't you? And then Jesus calls out to these fishermen after the resurrection. He said, hey guys, put the net on the other side and you'll catch something. Peter recognized him as Jesus. Finally they gathered around on the shore and Jesus had this little fire going that he could talk to them and that's where they made fish tacos. Yes, they make this pita bread looking stuff on a hot rock. That's how they bake stuff on a campsite on a hot rock. Get that big flat hot rock Spread that dough out, and you got, and fold it up, you got a what? A taco. They take that fish that's been cooked over a hot fire, and the fish ain't no better unless it's cooked over a hot fire, amen? I know I like fried catfish too, but nothing better than fish over a hot fire, and you put fish over a hot fire inside that pita bread, and you eat it, and you got you a fish taco. Well, after dinner... Jesus puts his arm around Peter and said, Peter, just want to ask you a little question. What was that question? What was that question? Do you love me? Oh, yeah, Lord, I, I love you. And I can see him eating that fish talking. Hey, Lord, I, I, I just love you so much. If you keep feeding us, us fish talk clothes, Jesus, I'm just going to hang out with you. 
uh, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I really do love you. Feed my sheep, he said. Go minister. Do what I told you to do. And then thirdly, Jesus said to Peter, do you really love me? And Peter started crying. Yes, Lord, I love you. And Peter never turned back to fishing again. He went fishing for men and women, boys and girls, that had never heard about Jesus. And he preached that first evangelistic sermon when the Holy Spirit of God fell on all the apostles and the other 120 that were gathered together in the name of Jesus Christ. And he gave his life and died hanging upside down on a cross because he did not stop ministering. He never said, I quit. Will you bow your heads with me, please? Thank you, Lord, that you've called us to follow you faithfully and you have invited us to take up your yoke so that we can accomplish what you want us to accomplish by your grace and by your power and not our own. We thank you. And now, Father, we transition into a period of time in this worship service where we invite folks who've never given their life to Jesus yet that will come forward and publicly say, I want Jesus in my life. And I pray they'll come while we sing a song here in a minute. I pray, Lord, that you'll stir our hearts that we would ask ourselves, why am I not serving? How can I serve? How is my worship going? Am I waiting for Sunday morning and the preacher to say something? Or am I having a daily experience of awe and wonder with Jesus? Lord, this invitation is something that only you can control. It's all yours. As we stand together in the name of Jesus, singing this song, will you join with me as we sing?